The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. The basketball revolution is upon us. I'm in NBA gyms almost every week, and there's interns and people running around with notebooks and notepads, and they're tracking shots. But the key thing is understanding the why. You know, why is a player missing? That's John Carter, CEO of NOAA Basketball, a company who is telling your favorite team how to play. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The NBA preseason tipped off this week, and the prevailing headline, it's got nothing to do with hoops, but what is happening in China, and whether a GM should weigh in on that. And the Rockets are paying a hefty price for questioning politics in one of the most important regions for the league in terms of exposure and growth. Now, on the court, Daryl Morey has been one of the founding fathers of data analytic-driven teams. Those late to the party, they've been left behind by the Rockets and others. And John Carter will join us to discuss how NOAA basketball is shaping the game. And it's not just the pros. Programs like Fairleigh Dickinson are seeing the value in forward-thinking applications to practice regimens. Bruce Hamburger, the associate head coach of that program, will join us to tell us about their approach. But first, the future is now with the baseball playoffs in full swing. Major League Baseball is changing up their digital lineup. They are replacing the forward-thinking BAMTech technology with Delta Tray Forge for their content management system. And Eric Prisbol has been following this for Sports Business Journal. Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm doing great, Bram. How are you doing? Um, why are they doing this? Yes, I mean, that, that's the big question I had as well. Uh, and Delta Tray, it's going to be the, it's the new technology services provider for MLB, and it's it's backing its global network of nearly 300 digital destinations, and as a result, as he said, replaces BAMTech. And the seeds of this really were planted a couple years ago. And MLB Advanced Media, which is the digital arm of, of Major League Baseball, sold a majority stake of BAMTech, which has powered you know several OTT services, including HBO Now. They sold it to Disney in two separate transactions in 2016 and 17 that were collectively worth $2.58 billion. And with that, the tech stack went to Disney, and that's since become Disney Streaming Services. So Disney's focus right now with Bantech is squarely on Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+. Plus. So it, it made, for Major League Baseball, it made this move almost inevitable. And two years ago, they engaged in a global search for a new CMS. Uh, Delta Trade's reputation around the world uh, speaks for itself. It, its portfolio now includes about 25 of the largest league federations, including FIFA. And in 2018, it built a CMS that underpinned uh, the revamping of NFL team websites. 
Jeff Volk is a high-level executive with Delta Trade. He's also a longtime former MLB Advanced Media and Bantech executive, well, so executive as well. So he had a lot of relationships, you know, all throughout, and that helped start up a conversation between Delta Trade and MLB. Uh, long story short, they uh, engaged in a proof of concept throughout the 2018 summer. They really liked MLB. Really liked how it it was going, and the partnership was sealed at that point. But they still had an onboarding process for Delta Trade that you know took place over a course of six months or less, which is a heck of an achievement to get that all ready for opening day 2019 when they relaunched MLB.com and also the 30 team club websites. Uh, they, it didn't just go well. They were just they were thrilled with how it went, and traffic was way up. MLB's platform drew 9.5 million sessions, uh, which was a 9% increase from the previous year. Uh, they had the largest day ever in readers to MLB content, you know, as they followed and approached the trade deadline this season. So that's all been phase one, the MLB.com relaunch and redesign and also the 30-team websites. Now in the coming months comes the next phasing in for Delta Trade, and that involves you know, a couple hundred other Major League Baseball supported websites. I, I believe that involves other minor league websites and that sort of thing. So it's going to be throughout the, the Major League Baseball community, and it's going to make things more efficient and provide new content and quicker uh, to deliver it to the the fans and and you know, all together make it a better fan experience and bring them closer to the game. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. What are the changes? How is the consumer experience different with this? They've already redesigned the MLB.com website and and also some sites with the 30 team clubs. Uh, but overall, they're going to introduce it, – it makes it more nimble and flexible. And they're going to introduce live blogging, visual stories. Um, it's more digestible for, for the fan. And it's also more efficient for MLB. And I, I spoke to Chris Marinek, who's kind of a tech executive with MLB, a very impressive guy. He said, you know, in the past, it would take eight to 10 minutes to get a story published online. And now with Delta Tray, they could have content, media, video, news, all of it delivered in less than a minute, sometimes less than 30 seconds. So, you know, baseball, MLB has always tried to stay ahead of the curve in terms of innovation and technology, going back almost 20 years now in terms of live streaming. And I think this is another step in that direction and it also helps them, you know, which is more important for all sports right now, engage and reach a younger demographic. Very important for baseball. If only they could speed up their game. They've got everything else going hyperspeed. That's, that's, <laughs> that's high on the agenda, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, Eric Prisbel of Sports Business Journal. Thanks, Eric. Thanks a lot, Brent. Up next, John Carter, CEO of NOAA Basketball on the mountain of data changing how we hoop. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Our guest this week is John Carter. He is the CEO of NOAA Basketball, which is a leader in the basketball shooting technology field and shooting research. Hey, John, how are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you guys have been doing this a long time. Our listeners will be familiar with your name. But for those who don't know exactly what NOAA basketball is, can you kind of give us the overview of what you do? Sure. So, uh, you know, we work with teams at, at all levels from middle school to training facilities up to, uh, you know, we do business with about half the NBA teams. Um, but we, uh, one, one of the biggest things that we do is provide the why. Okay, why a player is missing shots. Uh, a player can get up a small number of shots on our system, and we can tell them precisely what they need to work on. Uh, I think it was Doc Rivers that gave us the quote of knowing, you know, anyone can track makes and misses. You know, people have been doing that forever. I'm in NBA gyms almost every week, and there's interns and people running around with notebooks and notepads, and they're tracking shots. But the key thing is understanding the why. You know, why is a player missing? And we can tell you, wow, their trajectory is too high. Trajectory is too flat from the left corner. Or they tend to miss left 72% of the time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, you know, that, that's the biggest difference in what we do compared to, um, you know, if you want to call them repetition-type tools and just manual tracking. We had the opportunity to do a demo with you before we started talking, and you said something that really stood out to me, which was in the in the vein of, of what we're discussing here. Why can't I just see that with the naked eye that this person is missing this way? There's there are some things you can see. Um, you know, for example, if a player contis- consistently misses short, you can see the ball hitting the front of the rim. Um, if a player consistently misses to the left, uh, you know you can see that a bit. Uh, but you can't see it precisely. The one thing that a player cannot see at all is the trajectory of the shot. How high are they shooting the ball? What is the entry angle? And, uh, you know, a player cannot see their own shot. Now, a, a spectator, a coach, whomever, they can see, wow, that player shoots way too flat. But the player behind the ball can't see it. So that really is the, you know, the genesis of the product is, um, you know, how can, a, how can we give a player feedback um, so that they can make that correction, so they can correct the muscle memory to shoot a more optimal shot. And then over time, it's evolved to where we're measuring ball position within the rim, you know, facial recognition to identify the player, shot type identification, et cetera, et cetera. It's interesting because, I, listen, as a fan of the sport forever and a broadcaster, you know, I've called out people for a flat shot forever. So it seems obvious to me when I see it and not everybody shoots like Steph Curry and it's obvious how he shoots the ball and it's different than others. How does the player not know that they need to make the correction? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, players respond uh, many different ways. Um, and, but, you know, they, they have been told over and over and over for example, a, uh, um, you know, a Tim Duncan who has, you know, was a fairly successful flat shooter, uh, but he wasn't super flat. Um, but there's basically the players need some type of objective feedback. And here's the most common quote I get, Bram, at every level, uh, whether it's an NBA coach or a middle school coach or just a dad working with his kid. And it's amazing how many times I've heard this same quote. And the quote is basically, uh, it's amazing how this generation of players trust computers, and they will trust the verbal feedback, you know, the the computer feedback from Noah, significantly more than they will a coach or a dad. Hmm. And so that's just interesting. Uh, this this generation of players won't argue 
with technology. <laughs> and so if Noah says they're flat, they must be flat. Yeah. So as we went through the demo, I got to see a, you know, a, a cursory amount of what the data that is collected. Um, and what it appears, at least from, from my viewpoint of what I've seen so far, is it's a lot of dots on a basketball court will we'll show you the success rate of shots that went in. What then can you do with this data, and then what then can a team and a player do with it? Sure. Well, we take the data, you know, from an aggregated standpoint and do research. Uh, you know, we have uh, been at the Sloan Sports Conference at MIT the last couple of years. Uh, we won a couple of awards there. Uh, but we've collected data on about 200 million basketball shots. And from there, we can do, you know, a great deal of, of research. And, for example, uh, the number one indicator of a great shooter is left-right consistency. So if a player has good, strong left-right consistency, that's the number one indicator of uh, their shooting prowess. A number two, and it's actually a fairly close second, is arc consistency. And if a uh, – um, so that's that's kind of – and then the third thing, you know, they, they want to get the ball deep enough in the basket to give it a fighting chance. And we find a lot of players that uh, they don't do that well enough. So we take the aggregated data, uh, do some research, glean through the data, find insights that are helpful to our teams. Uh, one thing that's a lot of fun for us is, um, you know, we have about half the NBA right now that is using NOAA for their pre-draft workouts. Hmm. So when players come into NBA gyms during this critical month, um, yeah, they're going to be evaluated. They're going to be evaluated on their left-right consistently consistency. Um, for example, the left-right consistency is one of the things you know people talk about defense travels or other things travel. Left-right consistency, which is basically a combination of mechanics and talent, that travels from the high school three-point line to the college three-point line to the NBA three-point line. So teams are starting to really take notice of that. Um, so from an individual, so that's kind of the overall data, but an individual can get up shots, and we actually have a grading scale that tells them the things that they need to work on. Is it trajectory? Is it average trajectory? Is it consistency of left-right? Uh, we can measure those things so that the player and the player development coaches know exactly what to work on. Uh, there's so many players that go to the gym and work on the wrong things today, and they don't get any better. Well, let me ask you this, because we, we hear this a lot in um, in the NFL, where a quarterback is drafted, and he may not be the most accurate player in college. Um, and, and we're talking a little bit about accuracy here. Um, can this be taught? If they are not the most accurate shooter to start with, and you tell them these are the things you need to work on, are they able to actually fix that? Uh, sure. It, it really comes down to muscle memory. And um, the, um, you know, the in the, in the case of basketball or quarterbacks or whatever the case might be, um, they're trying to perfect. When a ball is involved, you know, whether you're pitching a baseball or a softball or throwing a football or whatever the case might be, um, you know, you, you have to perfect that release point to get that ball to go where you want it to go. You know, a pitcher is all about release point. The same way with a quarterback for particular routes and with shooting a basketball. And, um, you know, and you have to build the muscle memory to perfect that release point. I know, uh, you know, Tony Bennett, we've gotten to be really good friends with. We've worked with him for a number of years. And uh, he calls us the launch monitor of basketball. <laughs> that, that's kind of how he sums up what Noah does uh, for, for players. If so many teams have it and they are viewing it um, and looking at the technology, 
who then has an advantage by having this information? Well, certainly the teams that have access to this data, you know, has has a significant advantage. Um, if you have, uh, um, you know, again, it, it's it's a little bit like knowing the answers to the test, as far as you knowing exactly what you need to work on. And so, um, you know, if you know, uh, our, our goal, of course, is to, you know, we're we're not trying to create an advantage for one team over another one. We're trying to make the game better. Uh, we want to. Um, yeah, we want to see more shots go through the basket. You know, one of the things we talk about around here a lot is making more shots and winning more games. Uh, the number one indicator still today of which team's going to win is the team that shoots the ball better. Yeah. Um, and so that's, at the end of the day, we want to be in every gym. We want to see every player reach their potential. And uh, there's just a significant number of players. To give you an example, at the high school level, less than 10% of players shoot the correct trajectory. At the college level, it's about 60%, and at the NBA level, it's about 80 so there is uh, there's room for improvement. Why do you think that is? Is that poor coaching at youth levels? No, it's it's not coaching at all because it's consistent across the board. Um, you know, at the at the high school level, you have lesser skilled players, and um, and one of the things that we've been on a real mission from an education standpoint is, uh, for example, everybody thinks shooting higher is better. Uh, what I would tell you from a data standpoint. Shooting too high is just as bad as shooting too flat. And I've got the data to back that up. Uh, players effectively lose control when they shoot the ball too high. And so that's something that a lot of teams don't know or understand. And we've also found without that immediate verbal feedback, like our system provides, for example, a player shoots that shoots too high, and it may say 55, 54. Um, having a coach or a parent stand there and say, that's too high, shoot it flatter, it just doesn't work. And it's the same way with a player that shoots too flat, where you say, hey, you need to shoot it higher. You might get the player to shoot it a little bit higher during that session, but it doesn't stick. It doesn't really change the muscle memory because they'll go right back the next day and they'll shoot flat again. So that's just kind of how our body works. You know, it's funny, too, because when you say that, I, I think about it, and the perception of someone shooting a, a ball high and it misses has a very different feeling than someone who shoots the ball flat and misses. That I would prefer, if I'm going to miss, to do it in the way that's prettier and doesn't look as if I'm doing it the wrong way. It's funny you mention that. I've, I've asked a lot of players and coaches that over the years, and if you're, if you're sitting underneath the basket and you're rebounding for someone, the prettiest shot is in the low 50s. You know, it's just, man, when it scores, it scores cleanly. It's, uh, um, it comes in with a nice high trajectory. But I'm just telling you, it just doesn't score as often. And so um, I've had that same debate with many, many coaches over the years. And um, it's, uh, it's absolutely true. Some of our, our, our biggest successes, individual successes, is lowering players' arcs. They see almost immediate improvement when they lower their arc. So, uh, but it is it is a little counterintuitive. Um, how difficult is it to get someone who's made it to the collegiate or professional level, for that matter, to alter that? Well, making changes are, um, as far as making change to the trajectory, that one's actually pretty easy. Uh, you take the arc feedback. Um, you know, we've seen teams and individual players have an impact on their free throw shooting percentage, for example, or three-point shooting percentage, have an impact pretty quickly. Um, the ones that are a little bit tougher, uh, for example, is left-right consistency. Again, as I referenced earlier, 
because that is so based on mechanics. Um, and so a player that has poor mechanics, uh, that's a tougher one to change than just changing the, the launch angle, for example, of your, of your shooting arm, uh, which is what the trajectory feedback training does for you. Uh, so again, back to the launch, just perfecting that launch angle. Um, but, um, you know, the left, right's a little bit more difficult. Also, we have had a lot of success in working with players, getting them to shoot the ball deeper in the basket. You know, for example, in the NBA, um, we have found it's the same way at the college level. Players on average shoot about an inch and a half too shallow in the rim. All the elite shooters we've tested, you know, that, uh, the guys that are shooting up in the forties from three, they're all getting the ball pretty close to the optimal depth in the basket. But a lot of those players that are shooting 35%, 36% from three, um, they're all, they're shooting at nine, nine and a half inches in the basket, which is almost two inches too short. And it's costing them percentage points. I saw on social media that you guys were at the NBA Combine. Can you kind of talk about what's what's going on there? Yeah, that was a that was a great opportunity for us. Um, we uh, the NBA did have us in to we evaluated uh, um, you know players shooters uh, for the NBA and for its teams. I obviously can't talk a great deal about the data itself, uh, but it was a great opportunity, and we um, um, you know we provided that information, and teams will use that along with. Uh, aforementioned pre-draft workouts I mentioned, we use that data and that shooting information as they evaluate players. What um, what are coaches and players saying now that they would like to see Noah be able to provide to them down the road? Uh, you know, a couple of things that we, uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, we work really closely with a lot of NBA teams. And um, when we first introduced this product was a little over two years ago, the 3D version of our product, as you mentioned, we've been around for a while. We had an older two-dimensional product that would just track straight-ahead shots, and now we've evolved to do the all shots and also the ball position with the rim, et cetera. So what teams told me when we first introduced this new product at Sloan in February of 17 was, John, this is terrific, but what we really need is for you to identify the player automatically with no sensors, no sensors attached at all, no wearables, no anything. And so we went to work on that, and we we've nailed that. We've got a, a system that uses uh, facial recognition, no sensors, and we automatically identify who the players are. And then the next thing we heard was, that's great, but we, you know, we'd love for you to identify the type shot. I want to be able to look at catch and shoots versus, you know, on the move. Or I want to look at step backs versus a catch and shoot. I want to look at a catch and shoot when the pass came from the left versus when it came from the post. Um, for example, you'll see some pretty big changes in percentages uh, when you look at something that uh, that small. So we just want to get the data more and more granular in general so that they can see and ultimately have the, the data literally write a prescription uh, for the player that says this player needs to work on this particular move from this particular spot and needs to get feedback on this particular variable. Uh, that's where we're trying to get to. Another thing we're working on right now is backspin uh, because the you know, again, the left-right consistency is so critical, and backspin on the basketball is a very telling uh, piece of the mechanics of that player. So that's something that we have in our in our development funnel now. Uh, what's your background, John? Were you like a big basketball junkie? No, I'm, I'm I am a basketball nut. I would kind of classify me as that more so than uh, but I, but I'm an engineer, um, and I'm also. Uh, uh, 
you know, kind of a software nerd uh, or become a software nerd over the years. But I've always, you know, I was no superstar player. I played high school basketball and I had an opportunity to play junior college basketball. But was no superstar by any stretch. But I've always really enjoyed shooting and uh, obviously read a lot of books and gotten to know a lot of, uh, you know, some, some really good people that are real experts in the industry when it comes to shooting. And we've just taken a data-based approach to to shooting. And it's been really successful, and we've had a lot of players. I wish I could give you details of, gosh, we've had just so much success with individual players uh, this past year in the NBA and the NCAA. Um, you know, there was a player at Michigan recently that I can't remember if it was the Athletic or the Wall Street Journal did a story as well about how they, Coach Beeline had a player that basically become, who didn't shoot it well, but ended up leading the league in three-point shooting this past year. Hmm. Uh, but there's so many of those type stories, and we just we take a lot of pride in those. Uh, again, using the the term helping players reach their full potential. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, only a little over half of college guys are reaching their potential. Uh, very, very small percentage of high school guys reaching their potential. And so uh, that that's one of the fun parts. You may fall into the category of you know too much. So do you even enjoy watching a basketball game now? Yeah, it's um, watching games are different for me uh, today, and they're different for you – know, I've got two sons that are 28 and 26, and they were like in middle school as we were kind of getting this off the ground. And, um, you know, watching games now when I see a player consistently shooting too high, which almost always leads to short misses, and I see the flat shooters, I see the guys that are doing certain things, and it – it, it is a little bit different watching a game today for me, um, knowing what I know about the data when it comes to sharing. John Carter is the CEO of NOAA Basketball. Thank you so much, John. Hey, it's great to appreciate you having me, Brown. Up next, Bruce Hamburger, associate head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson, on how a rising program is using video to improve practice efficiency. This is the Future Sport Podcast. So let's take a minute here to thank our friends at 3Advance. These guys are ranked one of the nation's top app developers, but that's not all. They've helped grow a bunch of sports tech startups like Team Builder, T-Box Tour, and In-Game Fantasy. But they're also experts in user experience, cloud APIs, and artificial intelligence. So if you're looking for a dev partner to bring your future sport tech to life, look these guys up. Go to 3advance.com. They're the team to make it happen. At Advance, you will. That's the number 3advance.com. And tell them Future Sport sent you. More and more, aggregating video of practice and games for a variety of uses is becoming the norm. They could be used by broadcasters or teams as well, many of which now don't involve a video coordinator. PlaySight is one of the groups working with teams to use tech to play and practice better, and one of their partnerships is with Fairleigh Dickinson's basketball program, and their associate head coach, Bruce Hamburger, joins us now. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm great, Brand. Thanks for having me on. Um, what did the tech allow you guys to do that you couldn't do before? You know what? I, I, I think the biggest aspect, and it's a simplistic one, but you don't have to rely – especially at our level, we don't have 20 managers running around like the high major program. So you don't have to rely 
on a person, a manager, to film practice. So literally our director of ops who who helps with practice in terms of timing and scoreboard and clock, et cetera, he literally goes on the PlaySide app, pushes a button, starts to record. There's multiple angles uh, and practice ends. He hits stop. He uploads it and probably eight, ten minutes we have access to it and as as do the players. So just the simplicity of it made made it that was probably the the first selling point when we had discussions with these guys. And you know, in, in years past we would want to film practice, we wouldn't have a manager, the kid would be late and you know, you're running around scrambling trying to get it and then once you have the video on the camera how do you access it? And if you don't have the, the correct software editing program, it, it would literally be unusable. So it, it, it solves so many problems for us and just made, it was just a really easy transition to, to using PlaySight and the, the simplicity of it was a, a very appealing to us. And so you were able to find all the things you need to find quickly, right? Because here you, are, you have all this video and you want to use it and it's a learning experience to help build your team, but the machines don't have human instincts to know what you're looking for. So, so how does that translate? Yeah, they, they have part of it. They call it, it's called like smart tracker technology. And literally somehow it's an algorithm that the cameras follow the ball. So you, you're, you're basically getting an overhead view almost like the football, you know, what they call it, the all 22, you know, so you get that overhead view where you see the whole court and then each basket, there's, there's a, a, a tracking device that films that basket when you're at, you know, so if you're doing half court work at the right basket, as you're looking at the court, it's there. The ball goes in transition, it becomes full court. And then if you get it in, so you're always having multiple viewing angles, um, which which is terrific, yeah. So literally, knowing how somehow again, this is where the technology, you know, is, is past my understanding, and I, I don't ask questions; it just happens. But yeah, it, it it follows the ball somehow. It knows to do that, and you're, you're getting just different camera angles, which is terrific. I mean, and again, it's really helped us because of the angle and the overhead view, where you can really talk to you know offensively or or defensively just the spacing and and where you want to be on the court your positioning you know your your help side defense where you want to be uh etc etc so it's it's as you said it's a great teaching device and and this generation obviously is everything on their phones on their ipads on their computers so they they have the same access that we have and you know, the the thing that I really like, we, we, we watch it at night. You know, you go home, you watch it on your iPad, and, and you can pull up specific clips. And right on the iPad, you, you can edit, essentially, all right, here's a 10-second clip I want to show our point guard. Hey, here's here this is great coming off the pick and roll. Or, hey, look at this, think about this. You, you can text it. You literally make the clip, you text it to the kid, you can put in – you know, wording. Hey, here's here's what was great. Here's what you need to do better. And it, it allows you to have kind of a a running dialogue with your player when you know, you're home, they're in the dorm room, and they're watching video. So it's a, it's a pretty cool uh, pretty cool feature. Uh, and you mentioned here, obviously, 
um, your program doesn't have the resources that Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina, these major programs have. I wonder if this extends in your mind to youth leagues as well that have even less resources than a Division One program obviously would have. Could, could this type of technology help with young players? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think that that was I, I, my recollection of our conversations, that was a big starting point with them when they did, were developing the product that they – they were able to get into, you know, these basketball facilities that have leagues and camps and tournaments and, and put it in. So, and you can live stream. So even, you know, there's a, a youth tournament that, you know, the team travels, the parents sitting home, they can't make it, they can watch it live. But yeah, no, nah, I mean, I, I think it appeals to every level. And I, I know they have Carolina as a, as a team, Purdue. So, I mean, they have, I think over 80 teams now at the NCAA Division One level using it, and you know, I think they're up to like 10 NBA teams and some G League. So I know the Warriors have it in their building, uh, Carolina, Purdue. So really every level, and yeah, starting at the youth and you know the the grade school kids that you know again I think video was never used at that level, and now I mean again it's such a teaching tool that I, I think that's a really strong point that they have. Um, you know, I think just a strong selling point for them as a business. And I, I think as a, you know, a grade school and a youth school coach to, to get these kids at a, a young age to understand how to watch video and to, to accept coaching and accept the criticism of watching video of, Hey, you could have done it differently. And here's how you do it. Yeah. It's, it's a strong, strong feature of the, of the program. All right. I'll let you go with this. Um, are you concerned that coaches get replaced one day by all this technology? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so because I, I still think there is a, a, as much as the technology is, is incredible. And I, I talked to our rep at PlaySite yesterday, and he told me four or five new things that they have in the, you know, kind of in the, in the works for next year. But I, I still think at the end of the day, yeah, it's still – Coaches have the knowledge. Coaches have the ability to teach the skills. I think the video and the technology is a complement to the human part of it, which is actually the the actual coach. So I certainly hope not. But uh, you know, I, I yeah, it's a, I've, I've never thought of that aspect of it. That's a good. That's a good point. But now I still think you you still need because again, I I still think the, the kids and the players still want that interaction with a coach, and there still has to be. You know, someone in charge of the program and developing things, but uh, you know, it just—I it, I just think it's a great compliment to the knowledge that we have. It's another way to, you know, teach and uh, to utilize technology. And there's no technology that will make everybody Steph Curry. That's the reality. No, <laughs> That's the reality no. of it. <laughs> if there was, we we we'd all be doing quite well. If we could figure out how, how to. How to how to transform a player into that? No, that's that's a lot of hard work and reps in the gym and uh, you know just player development. But uh, you know, still at the end of the day, yeah, as a player, you want to get to that level. You still got to be in the gym, getting up shots and working on your game. But uh, yeah, that that would be a heck of a technology if someone could come up with that one. Bruce Hamburger is the associate head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, thank you, Graham. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That will do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.
The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.